Vanessa leaned over and said that next week her and Hannah are going to do the heavy bag version for the ladies' brunch. So now they're committed, and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be great. The question is, are Steve and Cam going to do their version of the accessory swap for the men's getaway? Right? All right, come on. Oh, golly, please don't let any of that happen in Jesus' name. <laughs> so if you came here tonight for Open Heaven Series Malachi Part 2, you, you may or may not be disappointed. We may or may not get there. We, we shall see. I don't know. All week I've had a sense that, that, that God wants to find some people in the crowd. As you read through the Gospels, you come to these amazing stories. Pastor David referenced one of them when he was doing the worship wrap-up of the, the woman at the well. And there's so many other stories just like that, where Jesus finds the person in the crowd. It, it couldn't be more perfect that God spoke to Nathaniel who came up and talked about being conspicuous because every one of those people in the Gospels had to be willing to be conspicuous in that moment to receive from Christ what he wanted to give to them. You can spend a lot of years in your life not receiving from God what you need to get from him, not because he's not giving it to you, but because you're not willing to be conspicuous to be found by him so he can minister to your heart. It's not an easy thing to be conspicuous. It's not an easy thing to, to have a sense of being public at times, but I believe that there are moments, and one of those moments are going to be for some of you tonight, where Jesus wants you to have a sense of being found, of being chosen, of being identified, that he, he picked you out of the crowd because he wants to do something in your heart. One of them, I believe, is, is for somebody here tonight, you, you need to learn how to pray a different way. L listen to this. Verse out of Romans. This is chapter 4. It's verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. I'm reading out of the King James because different translations sometimes do better at articulating the original thought from the original text. And this is the best one for it. It says, before him, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead... And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Let me read it again. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is referencing God's promise to Abraham that he was going to be the father of nations long before he had even one child. It says, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, which means it can raise the dead to life. Listen to this. This, is, this last phrase is important. And calleth those things which be not... As though they were. Not as though they're going to be. Not as though they are. But as they were. If the text said as though they're going to be, then that would be Philippians 4 kind of praying. And that's an important way to pray. It's the be careful for nothing. right? Don't be anxious about anything, the King James says. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God with thanksgiving. Right? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So there's a kind of prayer where we pray about things that we need that are important to us and we talk to God about things that need to happen in the future, right? That's a kind of praying. Then there's the kind of praying that comes out of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. 
This kind of praying is praying with a kind of hope in the faith as, as if it's happening now, even though it's not yet. You with me? It's stepping into that place where you're saying, God, thank you, and then you fill in the blank. Even though it hasn't happened yet, it's in a Hebrews 11.1 kind of moment. So you can do Philippians 4, you can do Hebrews 11, and then many of you who've been around the church, you've heard about prayers like that. But then there's a Romans 4 kind of praying. And this is a whole other kind of praying because it's a whole different kind of faith. Verse 17, he calleth those things which be not as though they were. This is the kind of praying when you begin to talk to God with the phrase, remember when, even though it's not yet come. It's the kind of faith that enables you to say, God, remember that time? Remember that time? Can, let's just put some names in it. Can we do that? Remember that time you healed Laurie Ruggiero of cancer? Remember that time, right? How about that kind of praying? How about remember that time you fill in the person in your family who's running from God and you've been praying them for years? How about picking up this kind of prayer for that person? Remember that time when so-and-so came to church with me and the next thing I know they were at the altar surrendering their heart to Christ? Remember that time, God? Romans 4 is about reminiscing with God about things that you know want that need to happen, and you know God wants to happen, but there's no indication that they're going to happen yet. That's a whole other kind of faith. And for some of you, you've been living in a place of Philippians 4. You've been living in a place of Hebrews 11. And for, and for some of you here tonight, God's saying it's time for you to begin to pray in a place of Romans chapter 4, where you begin to reminisce about the things that you're talking to God for. So this is how you're going to be conspicuous, and we're going to do this a couple of more times tonight, is that if that's you, if you feel like what I'm saying right now is speaking to you, that God's picking you out of the crowd, and there's something that you've been believing God for, but, but you know that you need to begin to reminisce with him about it, even though it hasn't happened yet, I'm just going to invite you to stand, and I'm going to pray with you. Come on, we're not going to linger in this moment. Father, I pray for every person that's standing up right now. In Jesus' name, God, I pray for a birthing of faith in their heart right now that's supernatural. Father, I pray, like it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there is a gift of faith that your Holy Spirit can impart to us, God. I pray that you would impart that gift of faith in their heart even now as they stand, God. It would be as though they're opening up their lives and something of an open heaven is being created over their life and that faith is being poured into them and whatever it is that they're believing you for, God, as they move from this service tonight, they're gonna have a reminiscing prayer. Remember God when. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen. amen. Come on, you can clap for that. I think the, remember that one time, God, where my voice lasted for the whole sermon? Remember that one time? Come on, we were in here worshiping for two hours last night. If you were here, come on, Jesus. I'm telling you what, man, those encounter nights, they are, they're just phenomenal. I believe, God, that, I believe that God wanted me to share about somebody here that was going to 
be a part of the service tonight and you've been struggling with finding the motivation to be consistent in coming here on Saturday nights. And you might say, well, Fred, it could be that you're talking about this because during the greet time or during worship, you, you noticed that I was in the room and so now you're kind of coming at me sideways. So I'm just letting you know that's not how we do it here. If we're going to come to you, we're going to come to you either directly or God comes to us during the week and talks about you sometimes without giving us your name and then we talk about you here and it makes it feel like God set you up because that's what he does. (laughs) This is you living in the New Testament and him finding you in the crowd. I think sometimes we read these stories and, and, and and we think to ourselves, Wouldn't it have been great to have been one of those people? But then on nights like this, you're like, dear God, please don't let him say anything about me, right? I hope he doesn't come down here and point me out, right? We we love it in these stories because it's safe because it happened 2,000 years ago. But God doesn't just want it to happen 2,000 years ago. The reason why he put it in this book is because he wants us to know he wants to do it again and again and over and over. And he wants to do it for some of you tonight. And for whoever this is, God wants to speak to you. And for this one, he wants to challenge you. This has been in my notes all week, right at the top of the page. I've had such a sense that there were going to be some people in here. You've just been struggling with your motivation of consistency and just gathering together with the family of God every week. And this is what I feel like God wants to say to you. So I want you to hear it. Is that there is a danger that exists in this world for all of us. And the danger in this world that exists for all of us is that we become so attached to this temporal world and the experience of this life that we begin to forget that the only reason why we're in this life is because God is preparing us for the life that is to come. It's not about here and now. It's about then. I like to teach that you are born four times. Well, you can be. You're born first as a dream in God's heart. Then there's your natural birth. And then for some of you, If you make a vow of devotion to Christ, John chapter 3, we might get there later on tonight if time permits, there's your spiritual birth. But this fourth one is the one that we're all looking for. It's the one where we're born into eternity when we breathe our last breath here and we breathe our first breath there, right? Scripture says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And for some of you here tonight, You're you're so distracted by this earthly experience that you're beginning to forget that you have an eternal purpose. And one of the reasons why God calls us to gather together every week, another sermon for another time, but we teach it all, it's in here. God wants the people of God, his family, to gather together every week for lots of reasons, but can I just tell you, one of them is for this reason. It's so that every seven days you come into a place where you are confronted with the truth and the revelation that your life is not about this experience. That this experience is about getting you ready for your eternity. That this temporal world, did he make it so that it's going to be pleasurable? Yes. 
Did he make it so it's going to be beautiful? Yes. Did he make it so that it's going to be enjoyable? Yes. He could have made everything just functional, but he, he did not. We, we talk all the time about all the words that he could have given the first place that's geographically identified in the Bible as Eden. That's the Hebrew word for pleasure. That should tell us something about God wanted this life to be enjoy, enjoyed. But not at the expense, not at the expense of the vision that we're supposed to have of a purpose that's waiting for us in eternity. You and I need to come into a place like this every single week because the trappings of this world and sometimes the hardships of this life can be so big and so burdensome, it just overshadows the revelation of the goodness that is to come. For some of you, even when you don't want to be here, those are the weeks you need to be here the most because you need to be reminded that God made you for something that's waiting for you. He's made you for a purpose in heaven that, that we, we preach and teach all the time that you have a purpose in this life, but can we, just, can we just agree that whatever your purpose is in this life, it's just about getting you ready for the purpose that's waiting for you in, in the life that's to come. And that one's forever, that one's eternal. Paul talks to the, the church of Corinth. He says, they're gonna be people that make it into heaven barely escaping the flames. Oh! Going to have a little char on them <laughs> as they step in. A little smoky. Don't be that person. One of the reasons why they're barely escaping the flames is because they made a vow of devotion to Christ but then they lived out their days only seeing what this world had to offer. Forgetting that the greatest thing this world has to offer is to get you ready for the life that's to come. I like to refer to this life as being awake in the womb. And it is the life that you begin when you take your last breath here and what's waiting for you there that you will finally step in and understand why God gave you the gift of existence. So I'm just gonna invite you to stand. I know this one makes you even a little bit more conspicuous, but if you're here and you would say, Fred, I'm, I'm willing to be found tonight. I'm willing to be found. That I struggle with my, my motivation and then one of the reasons I struggle with my motivation is because my focus has just gotten a little bit too much on this earthly experience. I'm just gonna invite you to stand where you are. I'm gonna invite you to stand where you are. Come on. I know there's more than one person in here that needs to stand up. Come on. Father, I thank you for courage that's happening in this room right now. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for people being willing to be found. I thank you, Father, that, that you caused the, the, the book that is sacred to us to come alive in moments like this. That, Jesus, you are just as present now as you were 2,000 years ago. And in fact, 2,000 years ago, because you embraced the limitations of an earthly body, you could only stand in front of one person at a time, but in a room like this, you stand in front of every person that's standing. That Jesus, you, there's enough of you to go around. Your omnipresence is here. Every person that's standing up, Jesus, we know that you're standing in front of them. And I pray that you would give them an incredible sense, Father, whether it's maybe the feeling of a hand on their shoulder. Maybe it's the feeling supernaturally of you taking their hand. For, for some of them, maybe it needs to be they need to feel your embrace. 
that you would break through, oh God, this temporal realm and you would convince them that you're standing in front of them, oh God. And I pray that right now, Father, you would instill in them a desire to hope for the eternal purpose that you created them for, that they would hope for that more than anything else in this life. That every other desire that's in their heart right now would come under the authority of the desire to become the person that you called and created them to be. That every other desire, to every other hope and dream, that it would come under the submission of the greatest hope and the greatest dream to be the person, to walk into heaven, not barely escaping the flame, but celebrated and ready to step in on the first day there. The eternal purpose that you've created for them. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said together. Amen. Come on, applaud some courage. All right, for this, this next one, I got, I got, this is my last one. I, I got some, some visual aid here. <clears throat> I know, right? So Nathaniel Miller, right? Posted this, as soon as you posted this and we were joking around on Facebook, I was, God was speaking to me. I was like, oh, this is going to be part of Saturday night, right? The one on the left, right, it's a street sign. And there was all types of banter back and forth. What on earth does this mean? And I got all excited all of a sudden because I was like, this, this, is, this is all over the north and, and we don't have it in the south and we need it because I'm an impatient driver. And, and one of the things that makes us impatient drivers, any other impatient drivers in here? All right, come on, you're in God's house, don't lie. Do we need to have you stand right now? This is a, maybe there's going to be a fourth moment, right? All of you who lie in church, I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are. Let me read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> and I was like, this is the junk handle turn. This is the greatest invention ever in traffic flow. A junk handle turn means that if you want to make a left turn, you have to get out of the flow of traffic in the name of Jesus, right? And you have to wait. And, and instead of, if you want to make a left-hand turn, you making everybody else wait behind you while you're trying to turn around when they're trying to go forward. Right? Is it, right? We need these. You can't make a left-hand turn. You make a right-hand turn. You go around this little roundabout, and then you wait. for try, and then, right? It's a jug handle turn. So right, everybody right, has to one-up the next person. So Chuck Benbo, who used to be a part of our church here in the Air Force, and then he was transferred. He, he posted, he's TDY in England, and he posted the picture in the upper right. And it was like, we don't even know what that is, right? I'm pretty sure it's something out of a Harry Potter movie, right? It could be a spell we don't know. It was like, how, why, why does a sign like that even exist? In fact, I think that probably causes accidents. Right? You're just, you're, you come up to that and you're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Right? Then there's circles with cars. It's great. Yeah, frightening. But then I got to thinking about our own city, Newport News. Right? And I know you can't read this, so I'm going to read it to you. And I don't know who writes traffic signs, but whoever wrote this one should be fired. Right? They should lose their job. And if it's you in here right now, I'm sorry. But we need, you have a different purpose in this life than the one that you're doing right now, right? How many people have come to the intersection of Bland and Jefferson across from the airport, right? And you sat there in the two right-hand turn lanes and you're like, can I turn? Can I not turn? 
I don't think I'm supposed to turn. So the person behind you who thinks that you should, they're saying all kinds of things to you. They're not speaking in tongues. It's a familiar language to many of you, right? And then there's times where you go and you think, well, maybe I should, right? This is what it says, right? So if you're in the left-hand right turn lane, it says no turn on red from this lane. Now, we can understand that, right? So the person who wrote this sign called in sick on the day that this sign was supposed to be written. And the person who got assigned this one, it says no turn on red except from right lane, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. only. What does that mean that 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. only is for the rule? Does it mean that that's when you're allowed to turn, right? It's like, am I the only one who else has been here instead of that time? I know. And some days I turn and some days I don't. I, I feel like if I only do it sometime and if I were to get into trouble, I could say to the officer with honesty, so, sometimes I do, I wait, officer. But, but sometimes I don't because I'm so confused, right? It could, I'm just saying there's an easier way to write that. Sabre, you're an English teacher. I want you to call the city on Monday, and I want, you could submit a revision to that, right? So put up my next slide. So this is just, I'm throwing this in for free. Earlier today, I'm walking down the hall, and I was like, I don't even know what OPREC is. <laughs> I kid you not. This is a true story. This is a true story. Just, just a couple hours ago. So Daniel... Daniel, who was on the guitar, how about the guitar tonight? Some of those guitar leads, right? Come on. Daniel walked by, I said, Daniel, come here. And we we're both standing there. I, I'm not kidding, staring at the sign. I said, what, do you know what OPREC is? He said, I, I don't. I said, he said, this is what he said. He said, do you, do you think somebody would start a ministry in the church and not tell you about it? And I said, no, I, I, don't, I don't think they would. I said, I said maybe, I mean, I, I don't know, right? So he walks away, and I continued to stand there. And then all of a sudden, I had a revelation. Yeah. It's zero to pre-K. Which is now officially known as OPREC at the City Life Church. Yeah. So I hollered. I'm not kidding. If you get here early, you, right, you're just going to be entertained. We're going to sell tickets. You can come from 2 until 5, right? I'm hollering down the hall. He's turned the corner. Daniel! Da Daniel! It's zero to pre-K! <laughs> I know what you're thinking. How is he going to tie this in? I know. So this is it right here. This is... For many of you, this is you reading the Bible during the week, right? You, you, want, you want to, right? You know you should, but you get in there and you start reading and, and it, it's, it's like those traffic signs. It's like, I have no idea what any of this is about. I can't pronounce these names. I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't even know why this is in here, right? There's parts, there's parts of the Bible, there's... They just, it makes, per like the part where Jesus says you gotta love your enemy. Now, we might not like what that says, but we understand what it means. But then there's other parts, right? We get to it and it's, it's, it's confusing. Come on, these are ancient letters written by ancient cultures in ancient languages. And sometimes, guess what? 
It is confusing. Sometimes it is perplexing. And sometimes revelation does come like it did for me in the hallway. We're like, oh, I get it now. But there's other times where you could stare at it for the rest of your life, like that sign in England, and you're thinking, unless somebody explains this to me, I'm never going to know what it says. And so my encouragement to you, what I believe that God wants to say to some of you, is you've stopped reading this the way that you know that you're supposed to because you're frustrated. And what God wants to say to you, if you stop reading, you're never going to know. You've got to keep reading. But you don't just need to keep reading. When you get to the things that you don't understand, you've got to ask somebody. This is part of being conspicuous. I'm telling you, I'm easy to get a hold of. Phone number, email, the website, shoot your questions. There's other people in here that you've gotten to know. When you get to stuff that doesn't make sense, pick up the phone, Facebook message someone. Ask the question. And if they don't know, then they're going to ask someone. We have an asking culture here at this church because we want there to be a culture of revelation and a culture of understanding. And so you've got to be willing to push through the mystery and the frustration if you want the revelation to come. So if I'm just, I know this, it's being conspicuous. But if you're willing to say, Fred, I... I haven't been reading the Bible the way that I'm supposed to because my complaint is, and my justification to God is I don't understand it when I pick it up. I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are. Just going to invite you to stand. Come on. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Father, I pray for every person that's standing up right now. Father, I thank you for their courage. Father, you tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that when we make a vow of devotion to you, that we have the mind of Christ. And I pray, Father, that the mind of Christ and every one of these people that's standing up right now would begin to come into such clarity in their times of reading that there's going to be revelation, there's going to be epiphanies, there's going to be times where they read. There's, just this week, they're going to read some things that, that they thought were going to confuse them and there's going to be understanding. And Father, I pray, I pray that for every person that's standing right now, Father, and the people that are sitting down that are supposed to be standing, we're going to pray for them too because we believe in grace. That when they come to that part that's confusing to them, that your Holy Spirit immediately is going to bring to mind a person's name. That you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna prompt them, don't just push past it, don't just get frustrated again, but raise your hand and ask a question. And Father, as they begin to invest in the journey of knowledge, Father, you tell us that understanding comes and through understanding there's wisdom. And then through wisdom, Father, there's the transformation of their character. And we know all of this is important because this life isn't just about this life. It's about the purpose that you called and created us for and the life that's to come. And we know that for all of them that are standing here, the enemy likes for them to be frustrated because the enemy does not want them to grow into the person they're supposed to become. Because misery loves company. And he knows that he's been cast out and he can never find his way back in. And that he wants to keep as many out as he can. And that those who he can't keep out, he wants to frustrate. And those that he frustrates, he wants to minimize and marginalize. So they're not ready when they get there. Father, I pray that you would protect and keep the mind of every thought of every person here in this room. 
We think about your word where Paul writes about submitting every thought into the captivity of Christ. Father, I pray that over every person in this room right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, by the power of the blood of Christ, we submit every thought into the captivity of Christ. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on. (laughs) Hashtag OPREC. It's a new thing. All right, I got 15 minutes. I love this series that we're in open heaven. We're going to skip that. Let's put that slide up there, Katie, and I'm not going to read it. But These are all the things that we've been talking about when it comes to an, an open heaven. And part of last week was, was, was talking about this idea of one of the reasons why we don't have open heaven experiences in our lives is, is, is because it's, it's not because God is not creating them for us sovereignly. It's because we're not positioning ourselves through obedience to the principles of God. So we're going to get to that next week a lot more. But in studying that, I just felt like God began to speak to me about digging a little deeper into this idea of the times where it's sovereign versus the times where it's positioning our lives. And I think we've got time to dig a little bit more into the ones that are sovereign. And and, and I think this is the one that I want to focus on tonight because if we're not careful, we, we will begin to desire and long for open heaven experiences because of what we get out of them, forgetting that sometimes the open heaven experience is about God wanting us to do something for him. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. I love this story. And now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. This is an open heaven moment in scripture. Yes, Lord, he replied. I love that as you read this story, he's not surprised. It's as if this is a normative part of his experience. May it be for all of us. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. There's an open heaven moment happening for Ananias. There's an open heaven moment that's happened for Saul, right? He's in his conversion experience, becoming Paul, the Apostle Paul, right? And that open heaven experience on the road to Damascus is being followed up by another open heaven experience where God is giving him a vision of the man that's supposed to come to him. And giving him the name. He's given Ananias the name of Saul, and he's given Saul the name of Ananias. He said, I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Immediately, Ananias left for the street called Straight. Now, that's not what my Bible says. And there's a reason my Bible doesn't say it, and there's a reason that your Bible doesn't say it, because Ananias does not want to go. And the reason he doesn't want to go is because of who God is sending him to. Because to Saul... Ananias is a stranger, but Saul is no stranger to Ananias. But Lord, 
exclaimed Ananias. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. You're you're understanding what's happening here, right? Ananias is praying. There's an open heaven moment where all of a sudden God's presence is so real and calls him by name and says, I want you to go over to Judas's house on the street called Straight. And Saul is there praying, I want you to lay hands on him. Now, when you're laying hands on somebody and praying for them as a Christian, you're, when you do it, guess whose name you're calling upon in that moment of prayer? Right? Ananias knows what he's being asked of him. If I show up, Right? What you're asking me to do is to declare through the very act that you're commanding to me is to demonstrate that I'm a Christian by laying hands on this man and praying for him in Jesus' name, even though all of us here in Damascus got word in advance from the brethren in Jerusalem that Saul was coming with a group of people with him. Right? Let's just call it what it is. It's a mob that's been authorized to arrest and, if necessary, kill the Christians that are there, just like they've been doing in Jerusalem. Let's back the story up a little bit. Acts 8, 1 through 3. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Listen to what it says. A great wave of persecution began that day. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church... In Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. Listen to what it says. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Now, if we're not careful, we will read through the story of the church as we're going to be getting into in this series when we get into Acts 1 and 2 and 3 and Pentecost and what's that about and the idea of spiritual language and how that's a part of open heavens for today. And as we get into study of that, if we're not careful, we, 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 we get this sense that the, the church was birthed in this incredible way and 3,000 people came to Christ and then it just went from glory to glory day after day and it just expanded and, and grew, but that's not, that's not how it happened. There there was a moment where the movement of Christianity was in question, and it was right here in Acts chapter 8. Listen to what it says. It says, all the believers except the apostles. All of them except these just faithful 12 that are left were scattered, which means that the church just broke up and disbanded. And Saul was going house to house. Come on, this is serious business. The Bible tells us that Saul went to the religious leaders and said, give me papers that authorize me, that deputize me to travel to Damascus and destroy the church there just like I've destroyed it here. There's Ananias saying his prayers before bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. 
pray the Lord my soul to keep. And here comes God. Ananias, go to this man and pray for him. I was talking with Pastor David earlier this week, and when I, when I, I delve into these realms of comparison, I always want to make sure that they're appropriate. And so I began to share with him about this part of the sermon and what I felt like God was speaking to me. And so if this makes you uncomfortable, you can blame it on him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because it's not going to make you uncomfortable. Because it's going to help you understand exactly what's going on. Because we read this, and even though I'm trying to expound upon it, and maybe some of you, you're gaining a greater sense of clarity about what was being asked of Ananias, it's still hard to comprehend what was happening. So let's contextualize it, and let's bring it a little bit more into modern history. Let, let's, let's pretend this isn't Damascus. Let's pretend like this is a city somewhere in the deep south in the 1950s. Let's pretend that, because this, this, this is what it is. And let's pretend that Ananias is a black pastor of a local church in the deep south in the 1950s, and he's praying. And God comes to him and gives him a name and gives him a place. And he knows that this name that he's been given is one of the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan. And he says to this black pastor, I want you to go over there and I want you to begin to minister to him. How many of us would go on that errand? How many of us would go on that errand? As I was reading this story this week, I began to ask myself, what, what, if that had been me, would I have had the courage to go to that street and to look for that person? 2,000 years ago, that's what was happening. You can put it in another portion of history when Jews were being slaughtered in Europe. Come on, we can just keep finding moments in history where there were people that were being slaughtered by people that despised and hated them. And here's God speaking to Ananias and saying, I want you to go over here and minister to this person. Now, I know we've already talked about Philippians chapter 4 kind of faith, and we've talked about Hebrews kind 11 kind of faith, and we've talked about Romans 4 kind of faith. This kind of faith, I don't even know where it is on the spectrum, but you would just have to keep traveling probably outside of this universe to get there, because this takes faith. Because you know what Ananias did? He raised his question. He wanted to make sure he understood. But the Lord said, go, listen to this. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, this story, come on. So Ananias went. 
Can you imagine? Because in this story, it does not tell us that God has told Judas anything that's happening. You with me here? Who is it? It's Ananias. It's late. I know. God spoke to you again, didn't he, Ananias? Yep. Saul's in there, isn't he? And then there would have been a long pause. And then an opening of a door. And the courage of a man. Walking in obedience from an open heaven moment. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight. Right? Because Saul, he's blind. You don't know the story. Take a left turn in the book of Acts till you find it. It's in there. He can't see. He's blind. He doesn't know what's going on. Listen to this. He says, he sent me, right, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales, right, Tara talked about this in the worship set. Come on. Fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength, and so began the rebirthing of the church. Come on, we, we talk about the church being born in Acts chapter 2, but it was reborn, come on, in Acts chapter 9, because there was a man who lived his life with an expectation of open heavens, and sometimes those open heavens are for your enjoyment. Sometimes those open heavens are to empower you for your week that's to come, as we've preached about in this series, for the ministry in your valley. He takes you on the mountain because of what he wants to do in you in the valley. Sometimes it's about supernatural provision, but there are other times, people, when the open heaven comes, and in that moment, he's going to ask something of us that's going to take great faith, great faith. And what I would say to you tonight, and what I'm saying to myself, when those moments come, let us rush in together. Ask our questions, wrestle with our moment of doubt, but may we find the faith of Ananias and rush into the moment of history that our creator has created for us so we can be a part of the story that he's writing in this world to make his name great. Stand with me. I'm just going to close in prayer. We're not going to have the worship team come back up. What did I say? Two, two things. One is that this, we left this table here from last night from the prayer stations that we've had. And I'm just going to invite you to take one of these, these cards with you. There's plenty of cards on here. And, and, and on these cards, there's, it identifies all the major cities and counties in, in this region. I'm just going to invite you to take one of these cards. And I, I'm, I'm just going to invite you to pray this week. However God leads you to pray over every one of these counties and cities this week. Stick it up in your visor, in your car, put a magnet on it in your, your mirror, in your bathroom, stick it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere where, where, where you're going to see it. If you're a family, put it somewhere where everybody can see it, right? So, so let, let's lift up our region, right? We need open heavens over our lives as individuals, but there are times where there needs to be an open heaven over regions, and that's part of this series is that we're believing for, for this region, 
in the 757 that in our lifetime, there's going to be an open heaven. There's going to be an open heaven. The last one is, I don't want to make Annabeth feel too conspicuous, but how many years? Three. Three-year anniversary of a tragic car accident in her life. And it's the day that God got your attention. And I'm glad that you're here. So, Father, we lift Annabeth up to you. Come on, some people gather around her. We celebrate her life. And we know this journey that she has been on has not been easy. And we know that you've been breaking strongholds in her life, Father, but we know there's more that are going to come. And we pray for the perfect liberty and the perfect freedom that you have for this woman of God all the days of her life. And even though, Father, her, her, her physical body has been altered for the rest of her days, Father, we know that the eternal spirit inside of her and the, the, the person that you birthed on the day that you were born, come on with her mother that sits beside her, that that part of her is not broken in any way. And that part of her is not marked and marred in any way. And that part of her is just as powerful as the day she was when you dreamed her in the beginning of time. And so we say over her future and we say over her destiny, come forth in Jesus' name. We speak to those things that are not as though they were. And we say, Father, that her life is going to be known as a remember when, even when we were waiting for it to come. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody, everybody sit together. Amen. We'll see you next week.